everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome to RP3 and Company on this lovely hump day, April 6th edition of the show. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parch III. I'm joined inside the studio by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. We got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to talk Cajuns and LSU baseball. UL, not so good. Went up to the love shack and there was no love to be found. LSU, meanwhile, wins its midweek game against Grambling. We'll recap it all on today's show. We'll talk New Orleans Pelicans. They punched their ticket to the play-in tournament. We're going to do that as well. We're going to talk all things LSU. We're going to preview the Masters. Tiger Woods is going to be playing in it. And we'll talk a little Atlanta Braves baseball as well. So we're going to cover it all for you. Hotline is always open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we have to address the elephant in the room. I'm getting stared at by the producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names. And look, Hannah, I know I can be intimidating. I'm big, bald, and beautiful. Hello? But what's going on? Uh, well, um, I think there's a ghost on Simeon because my log just went, <laughs> and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. No but you were staring at me. Not the computer. You were staring at me. I mean, I don't, I don't see what the problem is. I'm just rocking a look today. Way to play along. <laughs> you commented before we came on the air. You gave me a look because I'm rocking the Harlem Globetrotters headband. And yet I set it up and you're like, um, well, there's some papers over here. There's a computer. I don't know what's going on. Do I rock the headband or no? Five names. The people no. want to know. No. For your daughter. Went to go see the Globetrotters last night. Had a great time. I took Hattie. It might have been three years ago. Maybe even longer than that. The last time they were here. 
took her then, and the whole purpose of going, she loves playing basketball, and she loves watching basketball, but she also wanted to get another Globetrotter basketball, little mini one. So I take her last night. We have a great time, and automatically <clears throat> during the intros, the Globetrotters have a female Globetrotter, TNT. And as soon as she saw her on the Jumbotron, she goes, ooh, like all, all, automatically she's locked in. That's now her fra- favorite Globetrotter is TNT. So we watched the show, have a great time. Saw a lot of co-workers there. Mesh was there. Miguez was there. Miguez brought his fiance. Shanae was there. Saw a lot of people that we work with. Had a great time. But then, you know, she wanted to get the mini basketball. So we go, and on that side where they have, like, the souvenir stand, they just had a wide open area. They just let the kids bounce basketballs. So, like, you have to navigate you know, like 75 to 100 kids all bouncing basketballs at the same time, which was a little hairy. <laughs> I was like, what? And sure enough, one of those kids was James Mesh, <laughs> who got the jersey and the adult-sized basketball, was practiced spinning it, and then Miguez was in line and got himself a shirt and a big basketball as well. you have to ask Miguez. He also had a spill with one of his beverages, which required him – all of a sudden, I looked because he sat about five rows in front of me. They did. And I look, and he just he comes up the stairs because our seats were by the stairs. He comes up the stairs, and he's just got a handful of paper towels. I was like, what are you doing? He goes, something wasn't secured in the, the, the cup holder properly. So, so we get up. We're in the concession line. Not the concession line. We're in the souvenir line. So I get up there and we get the mini basketball. Success. I went ahead and just got a headband, which you're hating on, by the way. It's fine. It's fine. I also got a program. So she's bouncing the basketball and she's playing around and having a great time with it. And we go back to our seat and then she's wanting to practice. Like she saw James spin the basketball on his finger because James can do that. So then she was trying to do that. Like I posted a photo like on social media of like James like showing her and she was just fascinated by it. So, loves it. She's into it the whole nine yards. Well, then right at the end, they're like, hey, everyone can come down and get autographs. So, they roped off the court, and they had players stationed, essentially. So, if you wanted to get multiple autographs, you could. You just had to go around. They had a blue rope. You had security there. So, Sky was the first guy that we got. He signed her her ball. She was so excited about it. Then Cheese signed her ball. But then she saw the girl. TNT, the lone girl in the Globetrotters. And she's like, Daddy, it's, it's late. Like, it's pushing 9 o'clock now. Bedtime is, is coming on. We, we, we played it fast and loose last night in the Parch household. She's like, Daddy, I want to get her autograph. And can I get a picture with her? And I said, all right, sir. So we waited in line. And she was very, you know, very popular. Finally get there, got the picture, got the autograph. And then I have to tell her, I was like, baby girl, that's great. But you know you can't play the bas- play with the basketball now. And she's like, what do you mean, Daddy? I said, because if you play with it and we play it outside on the court, so we have a goal at our house, I go, if you play it outside, the autographs are going to come off. <gasps> well, I guess that just means you have to go buy another basketball. I said, not right now. <laughs> I said, not right now. 
Not right now. But she just held it. She held it like it was a precious thing because of, because of the autographs. And she was so excited to get her picture taken with TNT. Just so excited. So it was, uh, it, it, it was a bit of a playing it fast and loose type of night. But then I had bought the headband. And then randomly she's like, Daddy, can, can I see that for a second? Just like that. Just, just, can I see that? I said, sure. Then she puts it on and she's like, and she just, so then she takes the basketball and just holds it in one hand and just, just with rocking her purse, by the way, still just like a champ. So yes, I'm rocking the Harlem Trotters headband and five names is hating on it. I, I don't understand what that's about. Are, are you jealous because you don't have a Harlem Globetrotters headband? No. I am okay that I'm the only one on the station to not have something about Harlem Globetrotters. I am okay. Yeah, because you had plans. No. Yeah, that's what you said yesterday. Also, I had to go work out. Yeah. That's it. So at 9 o'clock, when you're playing fast and loose, I was at my house watching YouTube. <laughs> And waiting to go get to my bed to go to sleep. Why were you waiting to get to your bed? Because I don't like going to lay down in the bed by myself. So I have to wait until Kenneth's tired so we both go lay down. You know, we both like go lay down and watch YouTube on our... I TV. see, I see. So you fall asleep on the couch while he's still up. Or you're trying not to fall asleep on the couch. There we go. There we go. When you get older, you'll just go to bed. <laughs> it's what's gonna happen That's trust me i remember those days too i remember this you'll eventually get to the point where you're just like eh, i'm going to bed my wife will do it all the time she's like i'm just gonna go to bed i said okay yeah. I'll, I'll i'll be in there in a little bit or vice versa very rarely is it the other way around but you sometimes if i'm really just exhausted i'm like babe i gotta go and she's like okay and then she'll watch you know one of those shows i i, I don't care for Married at First Sight, 90 Day Fiance, one of those shows. She goes, she goes, we have an understanding. She does not purposely try to watch them around me. Because she knows what's going to happen if she puts on one of those shows that I'm just going to comment on it. I'm just going to irritate yeah. her about it. I was like, oh, really? Oh, oh, well, they're having problems? I'm stunned. <laughs> so she waits usually when I pass out. Yeah, usually watching Disney Plus. Or I'm watching Netflix of like my seventh time around watching Criminal Minds and he comes home and he's just sitting there and it's like, All right, watch two episodes, like, Hey, can I play now? <laughs> and he'll put on payday two and start playing it. But You need a second television is what you need. We do have two televisions, but do I feel like going in the other room to go watch it? No, because if I go and lay down in my bed to go watch it, then I'm gonna go to sleep. I don't wanna go to sleep so early. I don't wanna feel like I'm old going to sleep early. You know, we already know we're, we're old. We went to bed at, on Saturday one weekend at like 8 o'clock. Wouldn't someone who's responsible for getting our station up and running every morning and making sure I'm in check, which is a handful itself, wouldn't it be beneficial to get as much sleep as possible? I mean, it would. But I don't like to feel like I'm old still. Having to go to bed at 9 o'clock. I push it till 1030. <laughs> Sometimes you're up later than that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes my eyeballs are like, nah, fam. We're not going to sleep tonight. Nah, fam. Nah, fam, the eyeballs, she says. Same. Oh, man. But great time at the Globetrotters last night. 
taking the little ones and had a great time. She loved it. Little daddy-daughter date night. What a good time. We got a great show lined up for you. Five names would you care to grab the microphone with enthusiasm, vigor, and tell the people what our foodie poll question of the day is. Because every Wednesday, this was inspired by Heart. Heart and the Steak conversation that we had. So now every Wednesday, every hump day edition of RP3 and Company, our poll question of the day will be food related. And this one could be could could be divisive. Friendship ending. Um, Relationships <laughs> breaking. Uh, poll question of the day is: Do you double dip? Yes or no? Uh, already winning. We already have fifty-seven percent saying yes and forty-three percent saying no. <laughs> I all transparency. If it's just me and my wife. Like, if it's just the two of us, right, I will double dip all day long. Yeah. Because it's my wife. That drives her absolutely crazy that I do that. She hates double dipping. It does not matter what. She will fuss at my daughter, our daughter, for double dipping. Like, we're talking, like, just nachos and cheese. Okay? It it does not matter. No double dipping. The wife is anti-double dipping all day long. Which is funny. Now, in a group setting, like if we're at a party or something like that, then no. Yeah. Right? There's, there's protocol to follow. I will not double dip at a function. Weddings, bar mitzvahs, graduation parties. I will show a level of respectability. Well, luckily, you won't do any kind of double dipping at my wedding. Nothing is there you can double dip. Why is there not a chocolate fountain? What's um, going on? Uh, our dessert is a wedding cake and a groom's cake. <laughs> um, there's a possibility for deviled eggs, which is, I am very, fingers are crossed, because they say you can substitute some of the hors d'oeuvres for one of the extended menu items, because I'm not paying a whole bunch of money for the extended, whole extended menu. So one of them on the extended menu is deviled eggs. So a, a fingers crossed is that. But if not, it's little smokies. Look, look I'm going to I'm gonna need to see this 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 menu for the wedding to figure out if Tina and I need to eat beforehand. Okay. You're having pulled pulled smoked chicken, baked chicken. Okay. Um oh no, we're having just baked chicken. Baked chicken and chicken alfredo. You're having macaroni and cheese. Okay. All right. All right. Um I'm, I'm salad oh, nice. or nice. green bean Green bean something. It's green bean and potatoes, uh, basically. You're, you're focused too, too much on the vegetables. Continue. And hopefully deviled eggs. If not deviled eggs, it's little smokies and barbecue sauce, as it says on the paper. All right. I can I can make that work. I mean, it's your special day, but I can make it work. Yeah. I said, <laughs> I was like, I need other options than just chicken. Then and I was like, that's chicken. That's chicken. Not having anybody else's all juice sauce. So not happening. And then fish. And I'm like, okay. I don't think just red beans and salsa is going to be a, an ideal thing for someone to have as an entree. So, all right, okay. There we decided go. yesterday while he was playing payday. That was like my <laughs> way to contribute. Do you double dip? 
at home, yes. I'm like you at like a function. I probably wouldn't. Usually if there's not a plate, I'll just, when I go to do it the first time, I'll like add extra to the one dip I'm doing. There we go. There we go. So that I'll have enough for like that second piece of item, whatever I'm eating with. Usually it's carrots and ranch. It's, oh, it's amazing. But Ken doesn't really eat anything that has to do with dipping. Tom. Like he doesn't really care that much for eating chips or. Did you just say on the radio? Yes. Carrots and ranch. Like you, you. Your heart fluttered a little bit thinking about that. Carrots and ranch is really good. Especially Outback's ranch. Oh, oh no. No, no. What have I done? What have I done? What? I think it's healthy, I think. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> it should not be a bad thing. I'm happy about ranch and carrots. Poll question of the day. Do you double dip? That's our poll question of the day. You have to go vote on it. Of maybe. Or occasionally should have been the third occasionally occasionally she says do you double dip jpk the od has chimed in yes but only because i don't share (laughs) (laughs) that's good heart says it depends on scenario if it's a setup just for me of course if it's meant for sharing never common courtesy respect the dip there we go keep those Votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter for our poll question of the day. When we return here on the RP3 and Company, foodie poll question edition, New Orleans Pelicans. They're actually in the play-in tournament. Believe it or not, it's going to happen. They punched their ticket last night. We'll talk about that next right here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So if you or a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or for any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year. And there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address. And someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple. It's free of charge. And it's the law. 
Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service. And to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles remind you, call 811 and know what's below before you dig. Let off today's show talking about basketball, in particular Harlem Globetrotters. Got to see him in person yesterday. Took baby girl to go watch them. We had taken her, I had taken her, I think it was like three years or so ago. It was pre-pandemic. I forget when it was. It was right there at the Cajun Dome. And she had a phenomenal time. An amazing time. And we still have the little Harlem Globetrotters basketball, the mini basketball. And that's what she uses. That's what she's learned how to play basketball on. And she loves it. So she's so excited. She was so excited that she got her chores done early and then was doing extra things, <laughs> which is always a good thing when you're a parent, when the kid just voluntarily starts doing extra things. Had a great time. And she got to meet three Globetrotters afterwards, got their autographs including TNT, the female, the young lady who is part of the Globetrotters. And Hattie was very excited about that. But that wasn't the only basketball action going on last night. The Norse Pelicans. What? I guess you can. we can finally get excited about those old Pels. After starting off the year 1-12 out the gate under Willie Green, they are now in the play-in tournament. They defeated the Sacramento Kings last night, 123-109. to They had seven different players score in double figures. Jackson Hayes tied career highs in points with 23 and rebounds with 12. B.I., C.J. McCollum, they all contributed as well. So they're in the play-in tournament, and they have a bit of a cushion over the San Antonio Spurs with only a few games left which means that they would host San Antonio in the play-in game. But San Antonio hasn't punched theirs just yet. Just yet. I mean, the Lakers are fading, and that's all but a done deal. But what a turnaround. Now, let's be fair. The Pelicans are still below 500. And getting a spot in the play-in tournament which is just the NBA's excuse of trying to get more teams into the playoffs, which they implemented during the COVID year when they were in the bubble down in Orlando. It waters down things, right? Let's let's have an honest conversation. It waters down the product. You're getting teams below 500 that have no business even being by the playoffs, getting a chance to play a little play-in tournament game. That way they can get swept or try to win a game in the first round against the one seed. That, that, this is what this is bull downs, boils down to. Hey, guess what? You're in the playing tournament. Hey, if you win your game, you get to play Phoenix. Yay! But that's the reality. They're still a below 500 team. They're still a work in progress. Zion Williamson still hasn't taken the court for him this season and won't. And... It took a couple years for David Griffin to make the right moves just to put together a competent team. But it's a team that's still below 500. Now, the flip side of that is they're a young team. And they're going to make the play-in tournament without Zion playing. 
and they have a, a good thing going with McCollum and B.I., and Jackson Hayes has developed under Willie Green into an actual legitimate NBA player. And Trey Murphy's starting to find his stroke and finding his role. Imagine what this team's going to look like when Kyra Lewis comes back next year and Zion comes back next year. Look, Willie's going to have his work cut out because he's going to have to figure out how those pieces go together. But after the sluggish start, it seems like everyone's bought in. Willie's been able to reach this team, in particular younger players like Jackson Hayes. So there's a reason to be optimistic. We give Ali Cassell hell all the time about being Mr. Positivity. And I think this is a situation where it can be both things. It can be a good thing. Hey, making the play-in tournament. Overcoming that 1-12 start to the season. Doing so without Zion and without Kyra. You're developing something. You make some good trades. You bring in some good guys like C.J. McCollum. You're figuring things out. The team chemistry is building. Yes, yes, yes. All those are good things. But it can also be like, well, why'd the team start 1-12? And the team's still below 500. And it feels a little bit like participation trophy era to celebrate a team making the play-in tournament, which is specifically designed to get the majority of the teams in the league into some type of playoff scenario, which I'm never a fan of. So it, it can be both things at the same time. That's, that's the story of this year's Pelicans team. They're both things at once. The future does look bright, but they still have work to do. Right? This isn't the end, and that's my that's my only trepidation. I say a lot of people want to take victory laps about the team making the play-in tournament. Yay! That's not victory lap time. Like victory lap is like getting to the Western Conference Finals. Being a top three, four seed. Winning an NBA championship. Like, that's what you do the big victory laps for. This is a nice step. It's a nice step. And to be perfectly honest, when you have the type of talent they have on that roster, they should be in the playing tournament, right? They should be in the playing tournament. But they are. Punched their ticket last night with the win over Sacktown. We'll see if they can hold off the Spurs. That way they can host the play-in tournament game. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up. We're going to talk a little college baseball. LSU, good night on the diamond. It's like taking batting practice. The Raging Cajuns, it was like they were throwing batting practice. Not a great night for Matt Deggs' team. We'll talk about that next as well as something that was unveiled yesterday. Get to know the game. Huh? You get to know a little bit more about us. And first up was, who was your first celebrity crush? Oh, five names. You ready for that? (laughs) That's coming up next. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. 
There was Little Vainant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo. Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer to Gulf Shores in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, Megan the Stallion, Doja Cat, and Shaquille O'Neal, just to name a few. That's the Hangout Music Fest, May 20th to the 22nd in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Win VIP passes from the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. It's Foodie Wednesday. Every Wednesday, our poll question will be about food. And this is a polarizing topic. Do you double dip? Sauces with chicken tenders or nugs? Chips and queso. Does not matter what the scenario is. We want to know, are you a double dipper? You heard Hannah five names and yours truly already tell you. When we're just in the company of our loved one, our significant other, we're double dipping. Even though it drives my wife absolutely batty. To use a term from Vampirino, which we watched yesterday as well. But if you're in public at an event, a wedding, a bar mitzvah, a graduation party, a shindig, if you will. You don't double dip in mixed company. But we want to hear from you. Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. But right now, let's head out to the hotline with a man who's always ready to bring in a blazing take, whether it's about basketball, football, or food, or dance moves, fashion as well. Let's welcome on James. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine. How about yourself, sir? I'm doing good, bud. I'm doing good. What's on your mind? Hey, I wanted to comment. I wanted to comment on the Pelicans, but first off, I think uh, Miss Hannah sounds like she's dragging a little bit there. Why don't you get her a mocha frappuccino El Grande and tell her to keep up with you? Uh-uh. Coffee is disgusting. What? <laughs> I was not prepared for the coffee take. No, not from you, James, but her reaction. I haven't seen Hannah get that animated about something since she lost to me in bowling on Friday night. Oh! Ooh. All, right, all right, well, I'll move on then. <laughs> She's going to stab me, James. She's going to stab me. Continue, sorry. Pelicans, I-, I love your take. I'm right there with you. I find it hard to get excited about the Pelicans, you know, getting in the participation plan uh, trophy thing. You know, your take's perfect. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of uh, David Griffin. I think he, you know, rode the uh, LeBron at his peak coattails. Oh, yeah. To be made a genius when he's not. Um, you know, I, I just it, it's like being a Saints fan and a Pelicans fan. It's like decades of Saints. Your fandom's challenged, right? You're like a, 
a dog you get at the pound that's been mistreated. You don't know how to be happy when it happens. Um, that, that's but, a good thing. And, and, and here's the other thing: like it'd be for football, it's a little bit different in the NFL. But if you want to compare it, you know, it'd be saying, "Okay, you're making the playoffs at seven and nine. Yeah, you're going to be somewhat excited because, hey, the Saints made the playoffs, right? Oh, my team made the playoffs. We got a chance. But on the same hand, you're like, we're seven and nine. So, and we're making the playoffs because, you know, the NFC is terrible this year or whatever it might be. So that that's how I kind of view it as. It, it, it's a good thing, but, you know, it, it, we're not quite there. It, it, the Larry O'Brien trophy is not coming to New Orleans because they made the playing. Right. Right. I agree. And the other thing, too, with this that also makes me happy and infuriates me at the same time is that after the season's over and they look at it, somebody's going to call David Griffin a genius because we're going to snake the Lakers out of a pick that we traded twice. Uh, they just got lucky. Nobody saw the Lakers not making the playoffs. It's a good thing it's happening, but I hope nobody lays it at, uh, at Griffin's feet like he did it. Very, that's, a, that's a valid point. We hadn't even touched on that yet, James. I appreciate the phone call, brother. Be safe out there today. Thanks. Bye. James makes up a good point because the way it is structured, they're going to get a top 10, top 8 pick especially if the Lakers do not make the playing tournament. Okay, and the, the way the, uh, the, the scenarios are lined up, it appears that it would be a top eight pick, which means the pick would become the Pelicans. So not only would the Pelicans be coming off a season where they made the playoffs technically as making it into the playing tournament, they would also not only have their pick, but they would also have the Lakers pick which would be a top 10, top 8 lottery pick. And then you're adding another piece. But but I agree with James. Like, yeah, Griff made some moves that turned out really well. C.J. McCollum trade and bringing in Larry Nance Jr., those are great moves for this team. And it worked out. They, they worked out perfectly. What about all the other awful moves he's made the last couple of years? All the other awful moves, because they've made plenty of them. So a couple of good moves doesn't wipe out two-plus years worth of bad moves. So that's why I'm just pumping the brakes. Happy for the Pelicans. Happy for the Pelicans fans. I get it. But, you know, victory tour, celebration, get the parade ready. Eh, we're not there yet. We're just not quite there yet. We're going to talk about Cajuns baseball, LSU baseball coming up. But we want to talk about something that we unveiled yesterday. And we're going to circle back to this whole thing of Hannah Five Names hating coffee. And I've never seen someone have a visceral reaction to coffee. As much as what just happened a few minutes ago. Where I was literally a little bit scared. About what occurred. She literally just looked like she wanted to stab somebody. Well, James was trying to be nice. Hey, you're a little sluggish today. Won't you get you get your boss to get you one of those frappuccino mocha latte espresso? I don't drink coffee either, so not to worry. I don't drink coffee. I never do. I'm the only person in my family. I think the only person on either side of my the families, blended families, that does not drink coffee. It's just not my thing. Just not my thing. No, I hate coffee. All the smell of like coffee beans. Okay, cool. 
but like taste of coffee, can't stand it. Like if I go to Starbucks, I get a caramel cream frappuccino. Because basically, it's just cream and milk and sugar, basically. There we go. Because I, ugh. it's so gross. You know what's not gross? What? Get to know the game. <laughs> we unveiled it yesterday. In case you hadn't seen it, you need to go check it out at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Every Tuesday around lunchtime, we will unveil something else about ourselves. So everyone a part of the game. So yours truly, RP3, Hannah Five Names, James Mesh the Meshinator, Matt Miguez, Jordy Holberg, Kevin Foote, a.k.a. Footsie, and Clint Domain. I come up with a question every week that everyone has to answer, and then we compile it together so you get to know us a little bit better, a little bit more than just the people talking to you through your radio or on your phone through the mobile app, which is free, by the way, on both Android and Apple devices, in case you were wondering. Or watching us on Simulcast 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. That's correct. Or listening to us on Google Home or Alexa. You can do it all. Boom. So our first one, who was your first celebrity crush? Who was your first celebrity crush? That's the first one, which you can go check out right now at 1037thegame or 1041thegame.com. And she did not know that I was going to do this, but the first one that you can read about when you go visit the page is me. Is you because you put your picture first. If you notice, I put the ah, order. I didn't realize that. That's right. The order of answers from all the personalities here on the game is done in the order of the pictures that you had for the photo, the graphic that you created for this weekly blog post. Get to know the game. So first up, <laughs> share with the world who your first celebrity crush was. I Ms. mean, really, he kind of still is. Like, sorry, Ken, I would leave Ken in a heartbeat. So my first, my celebrity crush, my first one. You didn't even get the guy's is, name out. Is, you said yeah. you said Kenneth. I'm sorry. Who you're engaged to? You've been <laughs> with for five years. You're getting married. Yes. <laughs> making wedding plans about what food RP3 is not going to eat. Fine. And you're already saying, well, if he, you know, if I had a chance, he shows up. Sorry, Kenneth. You're, I mean, you're, he you're... knows. <laughs> the man knows. <laughs> so my first celebrity crush was Nelly, which I wasn't sure exactly when it started. And I was actually on FaceTime with my best friend of my maid of honor. And I was like, she knows that my my celebrity crush was Nelly. And I've told her the reason why. I was like, but I'm not sure when it started. So I literally added my mom to the FaceTime. I said, mom, when I first started liking Nelly. And she goes, I don't know, when you're like two. I said, okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> End of the call. She had to get on a plane. <laughs> but yes, I wanted um, to make Nelly my boyfriend and marry him. So I picked his boo-boos. Or as because a mom says, owies. Because the Band-Aid? Because yes. he would always wear the Band-Aid? Yeah. Yes, even though it healed, but he still wore it because of somebody. I can't remember the guy's name right now. It, it was an honor of a friend, I do believe. Yeah. So Nelly was your first celebrity crush. Yes. yes. And he's still looking good today, so. There you go. There you go. There you go. My best friend was like, man, I was sleeping on this guy. I was like, yeah, I know. I wasn't. <laughs> we had some interesting reactions to this okay to go through we had a few interesting reactions the first person to actually answer the question 
to turn in his or her answer was foot. Did not wait. There was no hesitation from Kevin. No, he knew. In, he in, in and out. In and out. Olivia Newton-John. Boom. That was his. And Matt Miguez went with Miley Cyrus. Y'all are so young. Just so young. <laughs> Miley Cyrus, Mesh, Jennifer Lawrence. Hey, mine's the oldest of all three of us, I'm just saying. Yours is what? Mine's the oldest. Of the three of you guys. Yeah. 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 Mine's the oldest of the celebrity crushes. See, and see, and I, I cheated because I went with two. Yeah. And you, you were all did not up. follow directions that you made. <laughs> you I, didn't said, I, there, I did not say you could I only had to be regulated to one. There was yeah, no, there was no you, directions you only have there. A first. So did Paul Abdul come first? I don't remember. It was Tiffany Amber Thiessen because I love Say by the Bell. Yeah. And Kelly was the ultimate girl next door. So for my generation, if you watched Saved by the Bell, you were, you know, you fell yeah. in love with with Kelly. Yeah. Right. And you were you wanted right. to be Zach. Which Mesh doesn't know that that is. Never watched it. So well, he that's a discussion. My, like, we're trying to shirt. have a good time here, and you're trying to bring us I mean, down with negativity. Se- I mean, my senior shirt says Saved by the Seniors. Yes. With their logo like design from a distant you know. Yes. Seniors at a bell. Saved by the Bell, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, who I still have a crush on. The wife knows. And then Paula Abdul, that was around the same time. So I was about, I guess, 11 or 12 when all Saved by the Bell was on the air. And then Paula Abdul came out. And I was like, ooh. And that was a debate back in the day. I had a, a buddy of mine from Lake Charles. Shout out to Warren Arsenault. Hit me up and said that was the debate back in the day like between Janet Jackson and like Paula Abdul. Because they were both really popular and became, you know. I had the Paula Abdul poster and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why are you judging? Why are you judging? See, this is why we do this. Why am I imagining, like, little... I say little. You probably weren't little. (laughs) 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 But little 11-year-old Ray in his room, probably with Paul Abdul's poster on the back of his door so that no one would see it when they looked at his room. No, I had it right on the wall. I didn't care. She was fine. (laughs) I didn't care. (laughs) I'm not hiding that. Right there. Done. Done. I'm like, yeah. Paul Abdul. Takes me back. So, yeah. Go check that out. It's going to be a weekly feature on our website. Get to know the game. This week is, what was your first celebrity crush? You'll see all of our answers on our descriptions. Go check that out right now for free at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. We ran a little late here. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one when we come back. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company right here on the game. Maybe I should start singing that permanently moving forward. What do you think? No? All right. I mean, look, I'm just trying to add something new to the show. Add something a little different. Besides your judgment, your disgust. Five names. Go vote on our poll question of the day. It's our foodie question of the week. Do you double dip? We need to know. Yes or no. Leave your comments. 
on Facebook and Twitter. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. Technology tried to prevent us from having a tremendous first hour, but you know what? When you got the producer extraordinaire in your corner and you got the big, bald, and beautiful one rocking a Harlem Globetrotters headband, nothing can stop you. Not technology, not any obstacles. What? What? Isn't that right? Five names. Yes, sir, it is. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Yes, sir. There it is. (laughs) You threw a little Nelly on there, too, at the end. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Oh, we've had fun this morning talking. Harlem Globetrotters at the Cajun Dome last night. Had a blast. Took my daughter, who afterwards informed me that uh, once she got on the court to get autographs afterwards, um... I asked her, I said, do you want to be a Harlem Globetrotter? And she's like, well, yeah. Duh. I was like, okay. And she goes, yeah, those goals, they're not that they're, they're, they're not that high. She goes, I can hoop it up there. So, um, Coach Gary Broadhead, there you go, bud. <laughs> she's seven, but you can go ahead and I uh, think you got a future Raging Cajun on your hands. She, that's what she also told me afterwards. Because, you because she was concerned on the way. Oh, no. Uh, Last time she was in the Cajun Dome for a basketball game was this season, and I took her to a yes. game. Remember? I waved at her. Right. Well, the Cajuns lost. Yeah. And she was not happy about this. No. Not happy about this. And afterwards, like, she didn't want to do any. Like, she was like, she's, I just, I just guess I just didn't cheer hard enough. I was like, no, nah, baby. That had nothing to do <laughs> why they lost. <laughs> I, I only was in attendance for a home game once that they actually won, and that was between both the men and the women. <laughs> yes. So I was like, I was like, uh, baby girl, uh, that's fine. So when we, we were pulling up, you know, she's like, she just, maybe they'll win. Now, she doesn't know that, you know, the Globetrotters always beat the Washington Generals. That's the whole thing, right? They're always yeah. trailing the Washington Generals for three quarters, and somehow at the end they always pull out the win. That's how it works. That Every game they play, they always beat the Generals. But she doesn't know that, right? No. So I told her, I was pretty confident. I said, I told her, I says, I think – I, I like the Globetrotters' chances. She goes, okay. That she was concerned. You, Daddy. She was concerned. You. She was concerned, man. She's oh, are we tra- oh, they're trailing by one, Daddy. I said, They'll be fine. Be okay. I have I have faith in cheese and hammers, and hot shots <laughs> chances. And she loved. I, I saw two women though in the picture. 
of like all of them together? Am I am I was I seeing things? I think one of them's the, like like the manager, but one of them's okay. a player. The player is is TNT. So yeah, so we had a great time hanging out with the Globetrotters. She got autographs. Now she wants to be a Globetrotter, which I fully support. Do it, of course, of course. And then she, no, but she did ask because I, I knew this was coming because we're to the age now where it's time to get into other activities, right? She mm-hmm. does dancing. She loves dancing. She did tumbling for a year as well. <clears throat> but she likes sports. And her jam is basketball. She kind of likes soccer. But basketball is her jam. Like every day she wants to shoot. And she can now shoot with the little Globetrotters basketball. My goal in my driveway is regulation height. I don't bring it down for her. And she's learned how to shoot on that. Now, the form is all off. She's more of like a, you know, a shot put, you know, with both hands <laughs> shot putting it up. But she's just been practicing every day. And even when we got home last night, it's like 940, way past her bedtime. In the driveway, and she goes and grabs the ball. And she goes, Daddy, I need to get a couple shots in. And she makes one. And she's like, all right, we can go in now. So, you know, it may be getting the point. Like, we, we got a couple uh, summer camp lined up for her. Um, at the Children's Museum. We did it last year, and she loved it. But she asked me, she goes, Daddy, do they have basketball camps? And, of course, they have bitty ball, which Gary Broadhead essentially brought here. So I'm going to have to probably reach out to Coach. <laughs> hey, <laughs> now, yeah, Coach, how's it going? How's the offseason going? By the way, my daughter now has expressed an interest in taking part in bitty ball. So great night at the Cajun Dome. Great night if you're a New Orleans Pelicans fan. They won, punched their ticket to the play-in tournament. Now, they still have a losing record. They still don't have Zion Williamson playing for them. They still have David Griffin as their genius, if you will. But at least it's a step in the right direction. And if the Lakers continue to implode, which they're doing right in front of our eyes, the Pelicans will have a top-10 lottery pick in next year's draft. So they can simply just add another great piece to the team. And Willie Green has done an outstanding job. But as I said before, as I said before, it it can be both things, right? You can be positive and happy that the team is making the play-in tournament, even though I think the play-in tournament waters down the NBA playoffs. You already had eight teams from each conference. We didn't need any more. But – I'm get off my man, old man, you know, get off my lawn, old man guy. So it's a positive that they made the play in tournament. It's a positive that they were able to do that and build chemistry without Zion. That's all positive. The negative is you're still a losing team, right? Yeah. And it's a bit of a participation trophy getting into the t- uh, play in tournament. But I get it. Pelicans fans are so starved for anything positive that this is a great thing. So I'm not hating on you. I'm just, I get it. I'm just saying it's not time to prepare for the parade. Just quite yet, okay? Just quite yet. Darren messaged me, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company, and said, hey, you know, he asked about it being a positive that they proved that they could win without Zion. And I I agree to this. I I would agree with this. It is a big-time positive thing. Because it shows 
the rest of the team has developed a chemistry, has developed a rapport. They understand how to play with one another, McCollum and B.I. And the, and the rest of the group. And that's a good thing. The flip side of that, though, is they're going to have to figure out how to incorporate Zion into this team. It's one thing to be in street clothes cheering on your team. It's another thing to be on the floor with them. And that's going to be the next big challenge for Willie Green. Great adjustment this year where they were thinking they were going to get Zion, and that's part of the sluggishness to the slow start to the season where they started off 1-12, and and Darren brought that up in his message. That's part of it because they all expected Zion to be there because we were told Zion was going to be there, and then he didn't. Yeah. I'm still not 100% believing that the relationship between Zion and the Pelicans is as good as it needs to be. I don't think it is. There's no way. So that's part of my concern, and that's going to be Willie's challenge next year. Say, look, I had these guys. They overachieved. We overcame the slow start. We overcame the fact that Zion wasn't there, the supposed face of the franchise. We found a way to get it done. I developed Jackson Hayes. We got Trey Murphy out of his slump, out of his you know his rookie woes. We got to the playing tournament. Great. That's a. This could be a very good foundation season. But then you're going to have the challenge of incorporating Zion back into the team and what you want to do, and that just doesn't happen overnight. Even though he's a freakish athlete, a light bulb doesn't go off for a team that way. Playing together and getting in-game reps matters in basketball. Like I, I, I it don't just think does. Sh- even if he's able to come back, I don't think you should. I don't think they should because they've already found some kind of chemistry together as a team. You can't trade so him. Then you go and you, you can't put trade him. him. You well, can't I'm not trade saying him. you trade him. But I'm saying you don't play him in the playing tournament. I don't think you play him. There. Well, no, no, no. I, I don't think he plays in there, and I don't think his his handlers, his inner circle, would allow him to play anyway. Okay, and if you're the Pelicans, he's coming off injury. He's essentially missed two years. You're not going to waste him for the playing tournament, right? It no. makes no sense. Makes, you're going to need him to continue rehabbing because I don't think he's ready. I just don't. So, Darren also said, well, hey, you know, you proved that you can win without him. Why not trade him, get assets? Well, you're not going to get anything. You're not going to get the same back thing for him. Plus, you you put all the chips in the center of the table for Zion. He had, you know, the, the white sunsucker suit there and you had the the block party for him he's supposed to be the face of the franchise an all-star you don't you, you, look they're gonna have to give him the max contract after the season they're gonna have to bring him back they, they they don't have a choice okay and those are things that they're gonna have to do and then you're not gonna trade them you just can't you just can't do it no you, you can't do it because even though you love what you've seen from this team and they're scrappy and they can win without zion you can't trade Zion. You just can't. Because what's going to happen out? is if you trade him and then he's healthy and then you're going to regret it for next five years. Who would you take out a starting lineup to put Zion in if you would? Oh, look, you, look, modern NBA, these guys, the minutes are all kind of divvied up anyway, so you, you, you can make that happen. Okay, you probably take out Jackson, who's been playing really well. And, and, and then Jackson becomes the first guy, the platoon guy off the bench. And you can play around with the lineups where you can go more bigs, right, with, you know, yeah, Jonas and B.I. and Jackson and Zion. You could figure out a way to do that. So where the minutes aren't exactly, you know, completely eliminated. Yeah. But that's what they're going to have to do. And there is much I, – I get the thought process because you're proving that you can win without him. 
but if you can incorporate him into your team, how much better are you going to be? But 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 once again, I admit that's a big what if. Look, I have on record on the air on this station stating that I believed that John Morant would have the better pro career than Zion Williamson. I had that discussion live on there with Lewis Prejean. And he disagreed with me. And my my whole pro, my my whole thing was Zion's a big guy that's had injury issues in high school, college, and now in the pros. John Morant's a point guard. The NBA is a point guard-driven league. Even though the MVP is going to be a big guy again, the game revolves around point guards now. This isn't 20 years ago. Yeah. And so I, I look, and a point guard can change your team dynamic. The problem for the Pelicans has been they haven't had good guard play, and they finally started getting better guard play. And they all of a sudden they turned their fortunes around. I don't think that's a coincidence. But, you, you look, you're in a no-win situation now with Zion. But, and, and Darren hits me up again, if he does come back this year, what if he does get hurt this year again and now you're stuck with him and you can't trade him and you have to pay him and you're stuck with a $100 million problem? You're going to be stuck with a $100 million problem matter no matter what. what. Yeah, That's the problem. Like they, it would make them, I think, as a franchise, like me look dumb if you go and you trade Zion. If you, you can't, you, you give him so much hype and you trade him, you're going to look so David dumb. David Griffin isn't going to do that because no. through all of this, through all of this, David Griffin has somewhat protected Zion and shielded Zion. Oh yeah. Okay. Now that's part of the problem, and we don't have time to go into a deep dive on why that's part of the problem, <laughs> but that's part of the problem. Okay, and, and, and he's helped allow Zion to isolate himself from the rest of the team, okay? So he's enabled the young fella. Uh, look, I, I have no beef with Zion. I love Zion. I love when I see him play healthy. There's a reason why we haven't seen anybody built like him play that way because I don't think the body's meant to play that way at, your, at that size. That's one thing. That's part of his issues. But Griffin's never going to trade him. No. And Griffin's not going to let him walk either. Because if you do that, then you're admitting that the biggest move of your tenure as the man in charge of running the Pelicans and making them go from a non-playoff team to a contender was a utter failure. And David Griffin and his ego will never allow that to happen. So even though Darren can make a compelling argument, D, I'm telling you, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen because David Griffin won't allow it to happen. He would rather pay all that money and him not do anything. He would rather pay Zion all that money and have him only play 50 games a year than admit that he was wrong by taking Zion and making him the face of the franchise. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it doesn't really matter. just doesn't. No. We do have a poll question of the day to get to. We do. It's a foodie question, as you've been saying. I'm pretty uh, sure I didn't. Foodie from. Pretty sure I didn't say it that way. You basically did. I I basically <laughs> did. Yeah. I basically did nothing of the sorts. We came up with it. We want to know: Do you double dip? Doesn't matter if it's with chicken tenders or chips and salsa, whatever it might be. Are you a double dipper? What do you do at, at, at restaurants? 
Like you go to like El Paso and you get queso. Do you just do you double dip at, at a restaurant? No. That's like just you and your wife. Or do you go and do what I do where I use the menu and I break up my chip in smaller pieces and then I dip the small pieces of the dip in queso. So I'm double dipping one chip. I am technically double dipping multiple chips. So you mean one dip per chip. There's a lot of Darren chips says <laughs> that move when you say what's that behind you and then everyone looks and then you dip. <laughs> Todd on Twitter says double dip. How else are we supposed to build our immune system? Sure. Gift of Heath Ledger is the Joker. I like that. <laughs> Brad says that's like putting your whole mouth in the dip. <laughs> of course, the great double dip episode from Seinfeld, which he's referencing there with his gift. Yes, I do that one. Hart says, "Here's a hot take: me when I see guac." <laughs> I've been back, going back through watching New Girl. He shared a gift from New Girl, by the way. That's a great show. Robert Duplishan just shares a gift screaming, No! David Dugas says, I put my hand upon your hip. When I dip, you dip, we dip. Hell no, I don't double dip, and you shouldn't either, heathens. <laughs> and that knows from the office, by the way. Of course it is. <laughs> heathens. <laughs> Keep I always voting. like the word heathens. I do too. Keep voting on our poll question of the day. Do you double dip? Right now, 56% of you say no, but 44% of you say yes. Keep those votes a coming. Keep those comments and gifts a coming as well on Facebook and Twitter. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on the RP3 and the company, that means yours truly and producer extraordinaire and a five names. Eight and a half names. What? Yeah, yeah. We'll recap LSU baseball, Raging Cajuns baseball from last night and give you a little bit of taste preview of the Cajuns and Cal Girls softball game over in Lake Charles tonight as well. That's all coming up right here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. P3 doesn't play around when it comes to his personal life. I got one NFL team. I got one college team. I got one major league baseball team. And the big fella's also monogamous when it comes to his sports fandom. That's what I got my merch for. That's who I support. Period. Call me old-fashioned. The end. Call me old-fashioned. That's fine. I'll be old-fashioned. RP3 is just committed to providing you with great sports talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your free tickets. That's right. Simply text ANGOLA to 68683. That's ANGOLA to 68683. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 23rd and 24th, and you can see all the excitement. Bull riding, wild horse racing, and convict poker. Text ANGOLA to 68683. That's ANGOLA to 68683 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's talk a little 
baseball softball, shall we? Last night, not great for the Raging Cajuns baseball team. Whew. Season high, 10 walks. 10. As in more than 9, but less than 11. 10. I don't care how talented you are. You can't do that to any team. You can't you 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 can't even do that against a mediocre team, much less a good team like Louisiana Tech. And you fight and you scrap. Warner Recones gets his first career home run there in the seventh inning. And you're like, hey, Cajun's got a chance on the road in the Love Shack. But then Louisiana Tech says, not a problem. We'll score two runs in the bottom of the seventh and then three more in the eighth. Once again, bullpen, not optimal. You fight to make it a game, and then you give up five runs in the final two. Like, five? You walk ten batters. Ten. Unbelievable. Those ten walks, by the way, led to five runs. Five. That's your difference in your ball game. You cut down those walks by half, you win the game. That's simple. What a awful performance by the pitching staff for the Raging Cajuns last night. Ten walks led to five runs, 7-3 loss on the road at the Love Shack. And then guess what? They get to play him again. They get to turn around and have to play Louisiana Tech once again. Six o'clock first pitch. Cajuns, Bulldogs from lovely Ruston. We'll see if they can even the series, if they can get that game back and avoid losing back-to-back games heading into a road trip to Jonesboro, Arkansas to take on Arkansas State and Sunbelt play this weekend. The LSU baseball team, meanwhile, they treated poor Grambling like it was batting practice. Season high, 18 hits. They hit four home runs. Two of those came courtesy of catcher Hayden Trinvitsky in a 16-3 win over Grambling State. Now, if you're an LSU fan, you expect them to win their midweek games. You expect them to beat up on Grambling. Season high, 18 hits. Great. Four home runs. Awesome. Now let's see what they're going to do in SEC play. Because it's one thing to beat up on Grambling and have the game in via mercy rule in the seventh inning. Both coaches agreed to it. You rarely see it happen in college, but Grambling was like, okay, enough's enough. It's one thing to mercy rule Grambling on a Tuesday. It's another thing to go into Starkville, which they have to do this weekend, for a three-game set against Mississippi State, the defending national champs who are playing better the last few weeks. So maybe this gives them some confidence. Maybe this gives them the spark to be able to roll into Stark Vegas and get a series victory. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if they can actually carry that over to SEC play. Tonight, the Mid-East baseball team is going to be in action. They're going to be taking on Prairie View A&M in a midweek contest. 6.30 over there at the Joe. And they're looking to build up some momentum. They just won their first weekend series in Southland Conference play this past weekend when they took two of three at Nichols. 
So this is a little bit of a tune-up for them before they go back on the road and have to take on UNO for a three-game set. The softball team, meanwhile, well, they're taking on old I-10 rival UL. That's right. Raging Cajuns and the Cowgirls are meeting on the diamond. 6.30 is first pitch tonight over from Lake Charles. And Coach Jerry Glasgow talked to the media earlier this week. And, you know, Kendra Lamb has been a work in progress. She's been the the penciled-in, you know, ace of the staff, the one that has some experience. And, you know, she's going through it, right? She's getting a little bit better. And he said, you know, where they stand with Lamb and in her role with this team. I think that she wants to pitch. Kendra's a kid that likes to throw every day. She she's a she wants to do a bullpen five days a week, four days a week. We got conflicting things there. You know, you've got her mental approach, or she wants to go do a bullpen, even if it's a short, quick, thirty, forty pitch bullpen. She wants to do it. She's a pitcher that likes to pitch on Thursday. She likes to, if we're going into a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday series. But at the same time, yeah, I think rest would help would help with this. And so we're going to have to walk the tightrope between enough rest and enough work. To Physically, the rest is needed, and mentally, the work is needed. But I do think it's day-to-day, and I think you'll see her pitch uh, throughout this week. I don't think it's, we're going to lose her per se. It's just getting her back to where she's as effective as she can be. They're going to need her, right? They're going to need her. So you can't rush her back. You can't force her you're going to need Kendra if you want to make a run in the Sunbelt Conference tournament and if you're going to want to make a run at a regional yeah. you're going to have to have her fully healthy and she's like a she's one of their main starters so to have her at the end of the series coming out not even a couple hours before the game having to put in Sam Landry and then mm-hmm. I take Sam Landry out and put in Megan Schwarman in it's just having her she that girl can't retire some pitches she can retire some batters at times I doubt if Lamb pitches tonight. I don't think she will. Against McNeese, but they'll probably use her against Troy this coming weekend. That'll be at Lampson Park, that series, uh, in Sunbelt Conference play. So that's the latest update on Kendra Lamb. You heard Coach Glasgow said you'll more than likely see her. What about the competition? Well, Coach Landrino, you know, his team has had a rough start of it. It's been up and down season for them. They're still they they're, they're playing better. They're still trying to find their way, so to speak. And he said a key for them, a key for the Cowgirls, is that they need to score more runs and have better quality at-bats. Definitely a lot more patient when they're winning. So, you know, they that seven-game win streak was fun, and I enjoyed it. I forgot what it felt like to go seven games. And Yeah, it, you know, losing at this point in the season, you know, every loss matters, and to test your patience for sure. That was Jerry Glasgow there. So, McNeese, UL, tonight, over in Lake Charles. We'll recap it, obviously, for you tomorrow right here on RP3 and Company. we got to take a timeout. Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog, will be joining us next, talking all things LSU. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. West Louisiana's Sports Station. Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. 
seriously. How many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're having fun on this hump day edition of RP3 and Company. We've got a poll question that you have to go vote on. That's right. Every Wednesday, our poll question is a foodie poll question. Last year, last week, it was about steak. This week is, do you double dip? Are you a double dipper? Yes, no. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Be honest with yourself. Got to come clean. Now's the time with our poll question of the day. Also, we also threw it out there on social media. Um, I'm rocking a Harlem Globetrotters headband that I purchased last night at the game that I took my daughter to. Uh, and Five Names says, I don't rock it well. I beg to differ. I think this could be a new look for me. She shared a photo of it on social media. Hey, don't, don't, don't be pointing the paintbrush at me. First of all, it's weird we have a paintbrush in the studio. I'm not really for sure why don't know what's going on these days we also want to hear back from you do you think i should rock the headband look i am the big bald and beautiful one now you know who has do you know who doesn't have to worry about fashion because he's already fashionable who's born that way our next guest it's time to talk to the mad dog it's time for hold that tiger Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. Mad dog, good morning to you, bud. A big Hollywood star now, wearing your sunglasses inside, being an extra in a movie. I mean, you're just living the dream, brother. Uh, yes, I am. You know, I'm just, uh, I, 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 now I do wardrobe for your shows. This is my wardrobe, my master's caps, master's week. It is master's the shades, week. Shades, the green shirt. So I'm actually doing wardrobe for your show now. I have a whole closet of Raymond wardrobe. Uh, <laughs> uh, how many times have you been to the masters? Yeah, I, I can't decide if uh, I want to call you Meadowlark or Curly. <laughs> I'll, I think I'll, Meadowlark fits you. I'll take, I'll, I'll take either one of those. That is, I will take that as an, uh, uh, very much an accomplishment. How many times have you been to the Masters? Uh, actually, I, I've been there as a spectator once, but I haven't, I've never covered it. Uh, I can tell you with the Globetrotters, I've been to them several times and uh, wrote a column on the guy who played on the losing team all the time. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I read that column. It was very good. Very good. I liked it. You know, it's unusual. And, Look, they've really developed their product, and look, it's hard not to like the Globetrotters. I mean, they're just naturally all of them are gifted comedians, and it's a it's always a fun time when you go. I mean, it's just, I mean, I mean, you can keep you can go to that show a million times, and you kind of know what's coming. You're still going to laugh. It's a great time. I love when they interact with the audience like they did last night. Some guy decided he was going to try to go to the concession stand. 
And that was a mistake because Hammer came into the stands and go, hey, bud, and pulled him back and said, where are you going? <laughs> There'll be none of that. There'll be none of that. So, yeah. oh, yeah, Masters Week uh, is here as well. But let's talk LSU, bud. We knew there was going to be turnover with the men's basketball program. I, I, I expected that. I did not expect to have every single scholarship player on the roster leave either declaring for the NBA draft like two of them did or the other 10 entering the transfer portal. Are you surprised that no one, not a single player, is left over from Will Wade's team to now Coach Max team? Believe it or not, I'm not surprised at all. Not at all. I thought everybody would leave. Uh, when you are recruited in college and basketball, you basically you go for the coach. You like the coach because that's who you interact with the most. It's a small unit of people, so you you must like the coach because you deal with them a lot. Uh, in practice, in everyday life, you deal with the coach. Football, not so much, but basketball, absolutely. So you you sign because you like the coach, and all these guys like Will and and uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I know a lot of people like are shocked. It didn't I mean, but I mean, I, honestly, I can't remember when a whole team has left, but anywhere like this but it didn't surprise me because not when you don't know what the probation is going to be uh yeah you want to go somewhere where you feel like you have a chance of uh of playing and, and getting to the tournament and so yeah i mean i wasn't surprised nah not really the team that he's putting together right he's got two guys from murray state that played for him that's going to come over He's got the kid from Northwestern State. He's got a commit that was committed to Murray State, to the Racers. He's now coming to the Tigers. Is the team that he's going to be able to put together, is it going to be a bunch of guys from, I don't want to say lower-level basketball, Ron. That's not. I, I don't mean it as an insult. I just mean you know, non-big-time Power 5 conference teams. He's going to have to go poach guys and get guys through the transfer portal that want the opportunity to play on the big stage in the SEC, right? That's what, that's what the roster is going to look like for a couple of years. I believe you're right. Uh, I don't think it's going to be very pretty unless he's a, a hell of a coach. Uh, I don't think you can win on this level. Win on this level with a bunch of mid-major talent. There's a reason those guys were recruited mid-majors because they were assessed as mid-major talent. Nothing derogatory toward them. Just like you know, just like kids who play, you know, you know. FCS Division One AA football, those those players are really good, uh, but physically they fit that level better than than D one. It's the same thing with basketball, and so uh, unless he gets some transfers from some major colleges from guys that really nobody else wanted, uh, yeah, I mean I think for you know. Like I said, unless he's a, a, a hell of a coach and can coach up, you know, a mid-major to a major level, I think you're looking at a, a team that's going to finish in the back half of the SEC for two two to three years. We're talking with Ron Higgins, award-winning columnist for TigerDetails.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company talking all things LSU. Let's switch over to baseball. I, I don't take a lot from mercy ruling Grambling on a Tuesday. 
Uh, look, it's good to get you know a season high eighteen hits and and four home runs and Travinsky to get two uh, dingers. That's great, but the LSU team beating up on inferior competition is not the same team we see playing against good competition, especially in the SEC so far. Ron, Mississippi State started off sluggish, but they've started to come on the last couple weeks. They're the defending national champs. What? do you need to see LSU do in Stark Vegas this coming weekend? Well, let's say one, let's not commit any errors, which is almost impossible for this team. Uh, I think they've committed an error in every game, but maybe four or five, and they've committed multiple errors in 13 games. Uh, that's for one. Uh, pitching needs to hold up. They need to not let teams get early leads. It happens consistently with this team. Uh I, I guess my biggest concern is there's you're into what your third or fourth SEC series, SEC series now, and you're not settled on anything, and you keep jacking around stuff. You don't know who your starting pitchers are. Uh, you're constantly moving people around in the lineup, batting order. Uh, if this is Jay Johnson's mo. Uh, it's not a very good MO. Uh, I don't know if he if he'd like to settle on something and stick with it, or does he? Is he, is he so situational that he thinks of every possible situation? Well, sometimes that's not a good deal for players in, the, in their conference if they're being jacked around the lineup or or uh, just you know one minute you're you're playing the next minute you're not playing for two or three games. I. I if that's his MO, then people, I guess his players will have to get used to it. Um, you know, the one thing you could say for Paul Maneri was he, he tried to have his starters in place, starting pitchers, by the time the SEC rolled around, at least one week into it or two weeks into it, and didn't jack with it that much unless people got hurt. Uh, and with a batting order, it was mostly the same thing. So, uh, but this is a new coach. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. They they do hit the ball well, but they just get behind on it early. They, they're constantly fighting back because they're, besides Mikhail Hager, this starting pitching has been trash. Uh, their relief pitching has been good at times. But like you said, against non-conference teams, you know, all, all those years people bitched at Paul Manero for not winning non-conference games. And, uh, and then he, in the SEC, he'd do, you know, good or okay now it's just the opposite you got a guy's killing it in the non-conference wins when they get in conference games they look awful so uh they've got to step it up here but again i don't i don't know if it's uh i don't know if you got a bunch of guys who just aren't used to what what the coach is trying to do right now because it is it's it's pretty tough on your confidence when the lineup is being jacked around every, almost every other game Let's talk football. Spring practice is in full swing. While other teams are wrapping up the spring practice season, like UL and McNeese, they'll have their spring game this Saturday. LSU started a little bit later because he was still putting together a staff and really still putting together a roster. Uh, what's been your impressions early on so far with Brian Kelly's first spring at the helm of the Tigers? Well, last Saturday, we they, the media was allowed for the entire practice, which was the first time since the mid-1990s. Uh, 
it was refreshing to be in there the whole time. Uh, watch drills, watch how coaches teach. A little scrimmage at the end. Uh, my impression is uh, uh, they have a lot of work to do, especially in the offensive line. But I think we'll get there. And my impression of the quarterbacks is what I thought it would be, that your best quarterback is Miles Brennan. Just like I thought Miles Brennan was the best quarterback last year going into the year before he tripped over his flip-flop and broke his left arm. Miles Brennan looked really, really good that day. I mean, really good. Uh, much better than the Arizona State transfer, uh, who, who probably in, in time will look more comfortable. Uh, but the, the, but the, the, the Arizona State transfer, I mean, you can remind me of his name. I just I keep forgetting it. But he... Uh, He's really thin, really, really small. Uh, I mean, I mean, height-wise, you think he's six one, six two, but he's thin. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, unless he's really, really fast and, and avoid getting hit, uh, and he's not a, in his, in his, uh, passing isn't his thing. Uh, and uh, I thought, I thought Miles Brennan looked really, really good. I mean. Thought he, he made the great he made great read through a 65 yard touchdown pass to Jerry Jenkins. Uh, I mean, he looked like a, a six year quarterback who has command of an offense, uh, even though it's another different offense he's, he has to learn. Uh, I thought he, he was in great shape, looked very confident. I mean, uh, you need to keep him healthy. I mean, to me, he's your starter. Uh, and, and, He's your best chance to win. That's not to say the other quarterbacks, uh, you know, didn't play well. I mean, I, I mean, I just saw the Arizona State guy looked look, looked a little bit not lost, but just didn't, didn't look like he wasn't used to the speed of the game with the SEC people. I thought you know, other quarterbacks looked fine, but I thought Brennan really stood out. I thought the receivers looked good. Uh, running backs were fine. Uh, uh, defensively, I thought they were they were they were pretty good. I mean, I mean, uh, Mike Jones is a linebacker. They got him in the middle now. He's uh, he's a communicator. And if you ever talk to Mike Jones, that's what Mike Jones does. He talks. He's a very good communicator. So that's an ideal position for him. I thought the uh, I thought the secondary was pretty pretty solid. So. Overall, I mean, they're still early into this thing. Got a couple of weeks left. Uh, I think they're making good progress. I like the way, you know, it's very, uh, all the, the quarterbacks I've talked to really like Kelly as an offensive guy. I mean, he's always been an offensive coach, and they like the fact that he, he's in on the offense a lot. I mean, to to watch, to suggest, to, to critique quarterbacks. Uh and all the quarterbacks say, I mean, they've never had that since they've been in LSU because Orgeron was a defensive guy, and, and he didn't know really anything about quarterbacks. So they're, they're really enjoying that. Mad Dog, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy your week. Enjoy watching the Masters. We'll talk to you next week, brother. Yeah, I got, I got another acting gig Friday, so I'll get around to the Masters. <laughs> My man. Mr. Hollywood. Rod Higgins, the Mad Dog, joining us here talking all things LSU. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number two next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
Poll question of the day. Let's check in on that while we lock up, wrap up our number two on the RP3 in the company. You like that? I don't, I don't, I haven't figured out if Five Names loves my singing yet or not. I feel like she should. Do you double dip? It's our poll question of the day, our foodie poll question of the week. 53% of you say no, but 47% say yes. About double of the dipping. Double dipping? Ooh. Texan and Katie Ann says, if you double dip on a Texan, then he shares the gif of Captain America saying, we fight. It's a polarizing issue. Maybe the most of our current times, modern times. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three coming up. We'll talk with Scott Rabelais to preview the Masters. That's next right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Number three has arrived. Me, oh, my crawfish pie. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one. But today I'm rocking a Harlem Globetrotters headband. Shout out to me. I think I make this look good. Hannah Five Name says I don't. She no. says I'm pas bon. She says this look for yours truly, not so good. Doesn't care for it. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It's for Hattie. HP1. <laughs> HP1. HP1. She did She did take it from me last night. I was like, I just bought you a mini basketball. But she can't play with that, so... <laughs> well, no, no. This is before she got the autographs. Oh, okay. She actually took it. I shared a, a photo of her, uh, of her on social media. Holding the basketball, rocking the headband... While she had her fancy little purse on her shoulder. I think I missed that. I'm going to check Facebook right now. <laughs> Did watch the adventures uh, of Patty. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Addie's amazing video. Up and running. Need a YouTube channel for her. I know. I need I need to be, I need to get on top of that. I'll be out, don't worry. We are efforting our good friend Scott Rabelais from The Advocate, who's in Augusta. Going to help us give us a preview of the Masters. Hopefully, we're working on getting uh, Scott on the line for that in this hour. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day, though. It's a good one. 
Every Wednesday, it will be a foodie-related question. Foodie-related question. And this one's all about, do you or do you not double dip? Are you a double dipper? My wife hates the double dipping. I've actually seen my beautiful, amazing wife, the partner in my life, will be at an event, even if it's a family get-together like a birthday party or something like that. And if she sees someone else at the shindig double dip, she will stop eating from that. She will she will no longer eat anything in there. <laughs> just just will refuse. There'll be none of that. None of that whatsoever. She'll be like, "Ah, I'm done." I'm like, "What's wrong?" She goes, "He double dipped." So, we want to hear from you. Are you that passionate about it? Do you double dip or do you not? Right now, 54% of you say no. 46% say yes on our poll question of the day. You have so responded with gifts. Y'all got gift happy today, and I'm here for it. Thank you. Some people actually were alike, and the same gift from Seinfeld was posted on Facebook. <laughs> There's a whole double dip episode. There's a whole double dip episode. Yes. Even <laughs> even Salty Steve, he too chimed in, not on Facebook, but on my private messages as, well, as always, because that's Salty Steve's way. Um, he said, never leave the toilet seat up. Never wipe your face after eating with your shirt. Never not open a door for a later lady never not wash your hands before leaving the restroom and never stick your food in any sort of dip twice but you're not from mississippi hashtag manners <laughs> mississippi slander yet again with added um <laughs> I, he says then i would have added don't toot i might say the other word well don't toot in the bed but i thought that i made the air well it made the air steve just not that word you used i used toot <laughs> keep those comments coming on the poll question of the day you're welcome oh thank you thank you so much five names for so many different things i'm gonna need martin janak to stop though why do you need him to stop because he keeps coming back at me with pizza's not a sandwich Look, he says, heck yes, look, I do. Why you not? You came out strong. I did. You grabbed the microphone <laughs> and said that pizza is, in fact, a sandwich. Based on the definition. And that upset folks. Yes. So you got to live with your confidence. Look, <laughs> life is all about consequences. You made a decision. You said, I'm going to put this out on Front Street, so to speak, and I'm going to let folks know I believe pizza is a sandwich. And this is what happens. But, like, Janak. Come on. Sorry, two weeks ago we talked about steak. Last week was hot, a hot dog. Is hot dog a sandwich? Yes. That's right. That was our that was our poll question of the uh, day last week. This week it's do you double dip? Are you the double dipper? I'm saying we're locked and loaded though for the next like two months of food questions. <laughs> we have so many food questions already. <laughs> it's just about me <laughs> and the intern Becca. Going and like, hey, what's good questions about food? <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like that. I like that. Oh man, yeah. Double dip at how at home? Yes. But literally, I've my wife will stop eating. Like I've seen her do it. I'm like, babe, why aren't you having? It? She goes, no, I'm not doing that. Like she'll just throw it in the trash. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> 
I'm not kidding. I've seen her do it. I've seen her do it. She's very, very, very particular. You know? I'm going to make a big, huge thing of copycat out back ranch. I'm going to bring it to your house. And I'm going to double dip it just so that she knows she won't be able to eat it at all. Why would you Why would you be mean to my wife? I want all the ranch to myself for my carrots. <laughs> you and the carrots again. Yes. Car- no, get out of here with this. Carrots and ranch. No. Um, no. Hot Cheetos and queso. Yeah. No. Yeah. Pickles no. and hot Cheeto dust. Why would you waste good, delicious ranch dressing on a carrot? Mm-hmm. I think that's a mistake. No, it's really not. I feel that's a bit. I feel that's I'm going to bring mistake. it as one of my breakfasts one day. I feel that's an Just absolute utter failure on your part. No, it's not. I'm being healthy, but not healthy at the same time because ranch is not really that healthy for No, you. it's not. No, it's really but not. Carrots are. <laughs> no, it's it's really not. It's really not healthy at all. No, no, nope, not at all. Not at all. Yes. We got to think of a question though for next week for get to know the game. Once again, if you missed it, mm. we are going to start unveiling a new story, a new feature on our website, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, where you get to know the game. You get to know us at the game, all the, all your favorite personalities. And the first one we launched, which debuted yesterday around lunchtime, was who was your first celebrity crush? Hannah, five names. She loves the country grammar. She was down with Nelly. That was her first celebrity crush. Clint Domain, host of <laughs> Under the Dome, went with a Mighty Morphin Power Ranger. Shout out to him Pink for that. Pink Ranger. Be specific. The Pink Ranger, yes. we got to be specific. <laughs> there, I can hear him now in his car. It was the Pink Ranger! When I mean his car now, he probably <laughs> is in his office just listening Yelling, us. yelling as we speak. No, so it's just a, a nice way. So I got, I got a couple ideas of what the next question like should be. You know, who was your first kiss? Which is no idea good. what his name is. <laughs> oh, five names. Now, it's like that, seven. That, that seals it. That seals it. I don't even remember his name. <laughs> it was like a whole like dare. Five names breaking hearts in in grade and middle uh, grade school and middle school. <clears throat> Take that. So we're gonna have fun with that. Make sure to go check it out. It'll be up every Tuesday. At lunchtime. You can enjoy it for free at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Get to know the game. Our first one is, who was your first celebrity crush? There will be links on Twitter and the Facebook for you to check it out. On all the social media platforms. Yes. All. That's right. That's right. We have all of them. Were you surprised by any? Did any go, now that you've been working here at the station, you got to know some people fairly well were you surprised by any i actually wasn't the one that i think fit the most was was clint and his mighty morphin power and pink ranger that was the one that fit the most i was surprised that james (laughs) mesh thought jennifer lawrence was his soulmate yeah i mean (laughs) i can see him being the one yeah hunger games (laughs) or mystique for um, (laughs) x-men i had to ask him i was like I was trying to tell him, he's like, who's Jennifer Lawrence? And I was like, okay, you know the blue chick off of X-Men? He goes, Mystique. I said, yeah, her. That's, that's Jennifer Lawrence. Or Hunger Games. He's like, I don't know Hunger Games. I'm like, great. 
Miguez, the other part of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, went with Hannah Monta- Montana, Miley Cyrus. Yes, but not Hannah Montana. Just Miley Cyrus, not Hannah Montana, he said. That's right. There we go. Yes. So there we go. Which apparently Dylan thinks the when she went crazy was the best part of her. I'm like, um, I miss the brown hair. I miss the last song, Miley Cyrus. That's who I miss. I'm glad you miss her. And uh, and hopefully you'll you get her back one day. <laughs> hey, I went to the Hannah Montana concert. Of course you did. Had a Hannah Montana birthday. Oh, yeah. She was on a big, huge cake at the skating rink. I was all in the Hannah Montana Kool-Aid at one point. I mean, it was called Hannah Montana because my name was Hannah. Foot was the first answer, though. He was, and I'm sad I didn't get to see it when he answered because he replied just to you. He like, I don't know how to, to reply to the reply yeah, all thing. I, I love Kevin. <laughs> I don't know how to reply all. It's a button. You hit reply all. It's not hard. God bless him. I love him to death. But no, he was uh, he was the first to reply. Olivia Newton-John. Boom. No hesitation. My yeah. man didn't even wait. It was literally re- sent out the question that day. He was the first answer within like 15 minutes. <laughs> so we know we know how much of a crush Kevin Foote had on Olivia Newton-John back in the day. That grease it, man. Pretty, and he was like pre-grease. He did say the pre-grease. He was very specific. He's pre-grease. So that's the type of fun we're going to have with it. It's going to be get to know the game. You can check it out online for free at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. We'll reshare links today um, during the show here as we wrap things up to that blog post. And you can mm-hmm. check that out on Twitter and Facebook as well. Now, we got to take a timeout. Hopefully, we'll still try to get Scott Rabelais on here in the next few minutes. If not, we'll just have to get him on maybe tomorrow to talk about the Masters. But you're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. 2495678. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lafayette Marble and Granite is the South's largest cultured marble factory, and they pride themselves on earning your business. Trust me on this. They provide more than just show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens and bathrooms, though. They also deliver the goods for your man cave, for your outdoor entertainment area. You all love to entertain, have friends and family over, watch the big game in the fall. Hey, you want to have that great setup outside? With your grill, countertops, the whole nine yards, and a really show-stopping outdoor entertainment area, the kind of the kind that you see on television on the home improvement shows. You can't wait. You gotta go contact my friends over at LMG, Lafayette Marble and Granite, because they can hook you up with a great outdoor entertainment area. 
go visit their website, lmgelite.com, to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products they have to offer. Live inventory, guess what, is updated every Wednesday. That's today. Go check out their website, lmgelite.com. Learn more about what they bring to the table. Or you can simply stop by their showroom right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the Jockey Lot, Lafayette Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it they will. Go visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. We will try to reschedule our good friend Scott Rabelais tomorrow. Par 3 contest is today over Augusta. The tournament will begin tomorrow. The Masters and Tiger Woods is playing. That's huge. That's absolutely huge news. Obviously, more people are going to be tuning in because of it. We have no idea how Tiger is going to look out there, how good he's going to be. You know, it was, what, 14, 15 months ago that he had the terrible car accident where they thought they may even have to take his leg. And now he's out there trying to win a green jacket. Amazing. Phenomenal. Of course, the Masters is a tradition like none other. One of the most prestigious sporting events in the world. It's on the bucket list for most sports fans, even if you're not a diehard golf fan. It's on the bucket list to go. Getting tickets is a chore. Getting a press credential takes effort. There's a waiting list for both, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you just can't roll up and be like, hey, man, uh, can I get tickets? Like, no, 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 there'll be none of that. There'll be none of that foolishness. So Masters Par 3 contest is today. Tigers playing in the tournament this year. We'll see. We'll see what, how good he's going to be out there. Once again, they thought they may have to take his leg from a severe car accident. It was that scary. That critical. Didn't even think Tiger would ever maybe be able to golf again. Yet here he is doing practice rounds, going out there, going to be playing in the Masters. It's absolutely ridiculous. Just so how far he's come in a short amount of time to even put himself in a position to even be able to play in the tournament. I mean, that... No matter what happens, and I know a lot of people are going to be jumping to the conclusion where he finally came back and won a major again, and he did that at Augusta in that famous Sports Illustrated cover where it didn't have any writing. It just had a photo of Tiger. That would be a great story. Don't get me wrong. That would be an amazing story on par with Jack at 46 winning the Masters. But just the simple fact that he's even playing in the tournament, just that alone, is a story in itself just is just a story in itself because it is absolutely phenomenal NBA playoff picture is taking shape I stand corrected I had to double check on this and I was wrong Pelicans have earned their spot in the play-in tournament now they still are battling the Spurs to see who's going to host that play-in tournament game but I said the Lakers still had a chance because of how many games were left with them in the Spurs. The Lakers have actually been eliminated. A team featuring LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and Dwight Howard is now not going to be making 
even the play-in tournament. Whoa. They lost last night 121 to 110 to Phoenix. The Lakers are 31 and 48. They were supposed to be running it back, and people are like, oh, okay. And not good. I am so excited to look at that when I get home. Not going to be so making excited. the playoffs. Just things went sideways in a hurry. They just could never get off the ground. They were always so disjointed. And everyone wants to blame Russell Westbrook for that, but it ain't Russ's fault. Russ is what he is. It's the Lakers' short-sightedness of going, hey, we can get rid of a bunch of glue guys that don't cost us a lot of money and just get a bunch of other guys. It's just not how it works. Team chemistry matters. It just does. And the Lakers are going to be watching the postseason from home. Yet again, second time since LeBron's been in L.A. He won a championship during the COVID year, during the bubble year. But eh, I'm pretty sure Laker fans are not thrilled about the direction of this team because LeBron's not getting any younger and Anthony Davis continues to get banged up. So Pelicans are in the playing tournament. Lakers are not. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I am going to be fascinated by this year's NBA playoffs, though. Make no bones about it. Well, I I feel like the league itself in the last few years has been pretty wide open. You know, we we had that the, the most recent run of Golden State and Cleveland always battling and you know, they were dominating the league. That's not what it is now. I mean, last year, our NBA finals were between the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. In recent years, we've had the Toronto Raptors win a world championship. We've had the Milwaukee Bucks win their first one in like 50 years. We have Phoenix playing for a championship. I like that. As a fan, I'm a big fan, especially when it comes to the NBA, because we're in this moment right now where you have multiple teams that can win a championship. It's just not one. It's just not Golden State running away with things. It's just not Cleveland with LeBron running away. It's it's not built that way. Any of these teams, you can pick more than half a dozen teams that have a legitimate chance this year of winning the Larry O'Brien Trophy. And I like that. That makes watching the playoffs exciting. I mean, look, look at the East. The East, by the way, is completely wide open. Miami is right now your one seed, but they're vulnerable. I love Jimmy Butler. I love what Coach Spode does with that team. But Boston, which looked left for dead, they have come on strong. They're the two seed right now. The Bucks, your defending champs, are the three seed. Philly, with Joel Embiid, who could win MVP maybe. They're a four seed. The Bulls are a six seed. And the Nets, which were supposed to be the super team that already got broken up, they're going to be in the playing tournament. But they have enough talent with Kyrie and Kevin Durant that they could make a run. Yeah. The East is wide open. Any of those teams, we had the Miami Heat play in play in the NBA Finals just a couple years ago. I think it's always good for any sport when that same person or same team is winning over and over again. Then you start to like not want to watch it because it's like, oh, you know, it's going to win. And why watch it now? But the ratings suggest otherwise, right? So th- this right. is this is the conflict no for, for for NBA fans. There's a lot of us that like having the parody, 
and having multiple teams have a shot. And, but the ratings would suggest when you have these teams that play each other over and over again, that you, people like dynasties. They just do. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's it, it's a conflict. But the East, Heat, Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers. I don't know about the Raptors or Bulls. But those four teams right there, Heat, Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, could make it to the finals. So I gave you four teams right there that could win the championship. Phoenix is my clear-cut front runner. They finished as runner-up last year, losing in the finals. I like them to, to win it. But out of the West, you like them. Golden State's experience, I put them in that group as having a chance. Memphis, I think they're just too young. <clears throat> they need to make a run to maybe the Western Conference Finals and come up short, and then they can take that next step. But, I mean, you got seven teams, six to seven teams that have a legitimate chance of winning the Larry O'Brien Trophy. I like that. I'm here for that. Plus, it's a lot of new blood and a lot of younger players here. Yeah. Right? Booker with Phoenix. They just went last year. Obviously, John Morant in Memphis going. You know, Boston has Tatum. Bucks still have Giannis, who's great, former league MVP, defensive player of the year. So, I'm here for it, man. I am here for it all day long. Can't wait for the NBA playoffs to start. I can't wait to go to Buffalo Wild Wings so many times to watch any of the games. <laughs> but more importantly is that Kenneth, he doesn't like the Lakers. He likes LeBron. So LeBron, whatever team LeBron goes to, that's who's going to follow. Well, I'm so sure when I'm, he'll be Pelicans, following somebody else next year. Right. When the Pelicans, <laughs> we were at lunch with his dad for his dad's birthday. And when I told him that the Pelicans won and the Lakers lost, he was like, ooh. I was like, <laughs> so now that they're not in it, he's like, they have a chance. They, they, they have a chance to be in the playing tournament. They do, they, they, they do. They're going to come back. And now they're not in it. I'm so excited to go home and tell him that they're not in it. Yes, Lakers eliminated from playoff contention. Darren <laughs> has chimed in. Uh, he says it's uh, 80s fault. <laughs> just there it is. It's 80s fault. Oh man, we got to take a timeout. Don't forget to keep voting on our poll question of the day. But when we return here, Clayton Truder, author, will join us. He wrote a book called Loserville about the Atlanta sports scene and about the Braves. We're going to talk about it next. Coming up right here on. RP3 and company. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 6, 1992. Duke beats Michigan in the Fab Five, 71 51 in the NCAA Men's Tournament Championship game. The win gives Coach K and the Blue Devils back-to-back national titles. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Get lasting joint pain relief without surgery, without drugs, and without downtime. New options are now available right here. Regenerative treatments at QC Kinetics. Hey, it's Raymond Parch III talking about biologic therapies. This is the most exciting medical development in years. These remarkable regenerative treatments actually encourage your own body to help heal the damaged tissue in your joints. Pro athletes have done this for years. Now it's available for folks like us. 
If you've been struggling with knee, back, shoulder, or hip pain, arthritis pain of any kind, you need to check out this exciting natural alternative with incredible patient satisfaction reports. It's biological therapies at QC Kinetics. Effective treatments for chronic joint pain with no drugs and no surgery. Call for a free consultation now. Learn more about the regenerative options available to help you get pain-free. Call the local medical professionals at QC Kinetics. Call now, 337-243-4222. That's 243-4222-243-4222. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll finalize that before we wrap up today's show. But right now, it's time to bring on our final guest today. He is the published author of a book. Oh, man. I started reading this bad boy. Oh, man. I had I had to put it down because I had other stuff to do. It's that good. You, you will not want to put it down. It's called Loserville. How professional sports remade Atlanta and how Atlanta remade professional sports. It's time for us to welcome on to the program Clayton Truder. Clayton, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Clayton, are you there? We, Clayton, are you there? We do not have Clayton. We will effort getting Clayton on the phone. Once again, Clayton Truder is written the book, Loserville, How Professional Sports Remade Atlanta and How Atlanta Remade Professional Sports. It's one heck of a read. Clayton, are you there, brother? I, I am here. Great, great to talk to you, Raymond. How are you this morning? Doing great, bud. Doing great. So appreciate you making the time. All right, so uh, let's talk a little bit about your book because I find it interesting. I never knew the story about the Atlanta Constitution, the well-regarded award-winning newspaper there in the city when they did that two-part series calling the town Loserville, USA, and that was because of the futility of the Braves after they moved there from Milwaukee and the Falcons and then the Hawks. And obviously the Flames were there as well as an expansion team in hockey. Um, how did you come across that story and how Atlanta was known as Loserville for quite a long time? Well, initially I got interested in the idea of writing about franchise relocations, like broadly across North America, but I realized that would take me like 50 years to do. So I focused <laughs> in on one particular city, and I focused in on Atlanta because in many ways the dynamics which come to uh, represent the way that cities tried to seek out pro sports, Atlanta started this process. They went out in the early 1960s said, hey, we want to be a big league city. We want teams in all the different leagues. It's not just that we want a baseball team, not just that we want to – build a stadium we want to be seen by major league across the, 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 the country and the city's leadership they had a mayor named ivan allen who was very explicit about this he got the political leadership the corporate leadership behind this idea and atlanta goes from a city with no pro sports in 1965 to having teams in all four major leagues by 1972 the problem was it proved very difficult to digest all of those teams so quickly in a city that was so spread out had so many people who were transplants from other parts of the country and uh, the town turned into Loserville. I mean, the teams tended to both struggle in the standings because they had um, um, basically novice ownership in every, in every case. And they also had fan bases that were just overwhelmed by all of the options. 
So I, I got looking through the Atlanta Constitution because I was interested in the, the history of Atlanta sports because of its role in franchise relocation history. And I came across these columns by Louis Grizzard uh, about Loserville, USA, how Atlanta had all these grand aspirations when it got, got pro sports. The teams would win. They would bring people together. It would be this kind of axis the city could build around. But it just didn't turn out that way, at least in the initial decades. The teams were all toward the bottom of the standings and also among the worst draws in their respective leagues, leagues by the middle of the 70s. So the first decade of pro sports in Atlanta was certainly a story of frustration. A big criticism about the city itself is that the fans, that because it's a transplant city, right, it's one of those major mm-hmm. metropolitan areas where people move to, they're not necessarily from there, and there, that's always a complaint about fandom there with the professional sports teams. While you were doing your book there, what was unveiled in that regard about that argument about that Atlanta doesn't have great fans because it's a city of transplants and the people that may grow up Braves fans or Falcons fans really can't afford to go to games? Well, I, I think there's certainly some truth to that. I, I think the broader story, though, is also the people who are the locals it's not like they just got interested in sports when the big leagues got to town. Golf was already a tremendously big deal. Uh, all kinds of outdoor activities, uh, stock car racing, college football, high school football. I mean, the Braves had a problem in September. They'd have 1,000 people at the game, and there'd be 10 games in Fulton County, 10 high school games on Friday night that had 10,000 people in them. Um, it's a questionable sports, pro sports town historically. I think it's certainly gotten better over time. But it's not that people aren't interested in sports. The transplants are often still tied to the teams from wherever they're from, particularly Chicago and New York and Detroit and Boston and Philadelphia and places like that. But the locals didn't stop being interested in their own sporting passions just because the big leagues got to town. So I think the story is a little more complex than the conventional narrative. So there's certainly truth to the story. How did landing and having major franchises like they did, how did that kind of change the landscape and change Atlanta in, in, in kind of a broad term, Clayton? Well, in a, in, a, in a physical sense, it clearly changed it. I mean, the city was trying to figure out what, was, what, what they would do with a lot of downtown. There had been a, a massive uh, suburbanization of Atlanta in the 60s and 70s. By 1960, the majority of the people in the region lived outside of the city of Atlanta. At this point, less than 15% of the region's population lives in the city. So it was just spreading out and spreading out and spreading out. One thing the city leaders thought by building Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, by building the Omni, and then all these subsequent arenas, would be that this would be a what they called the center of gravity for the city, something that would bring people together, bring them back in into the city in, in a in a in a more substantial way. It it didn't really turn out that way, even for the people that chose to attend games. They basically drove to the games, drove back out. The public transit to both uh, venues was not particularly good. So it just became a consumer attraction just like any other. Um, And and I think that's a way to think about Atlanta's fandom in general. It's not like Philadelphia or or New York or Chicago where my dad took me to a game and his dad took me to a game and his dad took me to a game. Um, By having so many transplants, by having so many people who are recent arrivals to the region, they regard it as they would any other way to spend their discretionary time and discretionary income. It's not this long... Uh, tenured institution that has all these sentimental attachments in the same way pro sports do in many cities in the urban north. 
Uh, if anything, it's college football, it's high school football, it's other outdoor activities that have that sentimentality uh, built into it to a much greater extent than pro sports do in the region. And being to Atlanta a few times that I have, Clay, I find it fascinating. I've been there to cover uh, the Peach Bowl uh, there inside the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is a, a huge monstrosity. <laughs> it's just huge. It's just, you know, you're like, wow. Um, and then, of course, old Turner Field has now been repurposed for Georgia State's football stadium and, and, mm-hmm. and everything like that. Uh, where does it stand now? Because the Braves technically aren't downtown anymore, right? They haven't been that way for years, and they are coming off a World Series championship, but they're not downtown anymore. They have someone in that spot. Georgia State's taken over. That's great. You're getting use out of it. They've repurposed the stadium, but the Braves aren't there anymore. You still have the Falcons, though, and you still have the Hawks as well. So how does that work with the Braves not really being in that downtown area anymore? I think the Braves move ended up being a reflection of where their fan base was, which was largely in more affluent suburban sections of the city. I mean, when the actual talk of moving the stadium onto Cobb County developed, they published a map of their season ticket holders, and it was largely in the area where the stadium ended up getting built. I suspect that if the Olympics had not happened in Atlanta in the mid-'90s, if Atlanta built a new baseball stadium, we probably would have built it in the suburbs then. By having the whole momentum built around the Olympics, I think it caused a a longer-term relationship between the Braves and and the city itself. Uh, I I think both in terms of the the Hawks and the Falcons, the the demographics of their fan base are simply different. I mean, there's a much much larger percentage of African-American citizens within Atlanta itself and its immediate environs, and the fan bases of those teams uh, are reflected in that, that they have a a much larger turnout of their games of African-American fans, particularly beginning in the 1980s as Atlanta's black middle class expands. Uh, more people who were fans of those activities could, could actually afford to go to the games. So I think the Braves' moves, in, in some respects, reflects a, a, a tendency that had existed in their fan base from the beginning. We're talking with Clayton Truder. He's the author of Loserville, How Professional Sports Remade Atlanta and How Atlanta Remade Professional Sports. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. The Braves are all so unique in a lot of ways, Clayton, as someone speaking as a Braves fan, but I grew up in Mobile, Alabama. But I grew up with the Braves because I could listen to them on the radio and then watch them on TBS. I grew up watching Dale Murphy wanting to be him. That was my hero. But a lot of the Braves fans, a lot of that fan base comes from TBS. And I would assume that has an interesting dynamic as well with the Braves being in Atlanta where a lot of their fans aren't even in Atlanta or their suburbs. Yeah, even before Turner Turner gets involved with WTCG, which is the predecessor to, to TBS, he begins broadcasting Braves games in 1973. Even before that, when the games are being covered on television and radio by WSB, they have a very broad regional fan base. Right. One of the reasons the Milwaukee Braves wanted to move was because they looked at the Southeast and, and saw seven states surrounding Atlanta that had no pro sports whatsoever. They were in Milwaukee where they had two Chicago teams to the south of them. All of a sudden, the Minnesota Twins, who who poached a bunch of their radio affiliates, they had just this... Anyways, that's been the Braves' greatest strength. Um, One thing I found, even in the 60s and 70s, that hurt the Braves attendance-wise was when school got back in session because you'd have all these church groups and Boy Scout troops 
and uh, school organizations of different kinds, summer camps that would go to Braves games on buses during the summertime, and you lost that fan base when school got back in session. So they had a very, uh, the Braves from very early on tried to have a very family-friendly approach because they had appealed to families from throughout the region who going to a Braves game was a vacation for them. Um, and I, I, th- I think that's always been a big part of the Braves' story, and many of their most ardent fans live very far from Atlanta. Clayton, is the biggest impact of Atlanta's aggressiveness in getting professional sports teams to their city, Braves, Falcons, and then obviously the Hawks, is their biggest impact, or the legacy rather, from what you've uncovered with your book, is it the fact that it gave the template for other teams in the southern United States and out west in southern climates, kind of give them the template on how they can have multiple professional sports franchises? Absolutely, yes. Atlanta really pioneers the approach cities take by having a a corporatized campaign of trying to lure pro sports, rolling out the red carpet, having the business community, the political community working together saying, we're open for business, we're also willing to invest in a stadium to, to, to a greater or lesser extent, depending on the place, generally a greater extent. But by having public investments in pro sports and a business community that's willing to go out and tell these leagues, we're willing to invest, we're willing to do what it takes become major league um, they end up leading to in many respects to the expansion of pro sports because there's all these cities that suddenly have enough people with discretionary income to afford to go to games and cities that signal a willing willingness to do so if you look at a number of cities they explicitly model themselves after what atlanta does to some extent new orleans does that with the pursuit of the saints tampa bay very explicitly does that with the pursuit of what becomes the buccaneers they say we're just going to do what atlanta did but we're going to do it better their approach it didn't didn't in the early years work out that way jacksonville very explicitly modeled what they did after after atlanta's approach so atlanta is the pioneer for the model cities used to become major league and it also inadvertently created an arms race among cities that cities in older northern cities chicago philadelphia cleveland wherever had to suddenly publicly finance their own stadiums to compete with all of these newcomers to pro sports So in many ways, Atlanta reinvents the landscape of pro sports in North America through its campaign in the 1960s to become major league. Clayton Truder, man has a Ph.D. in U.S. history from Boston College. He is a professor. He also writes about college football and basketball for SB Nation. And he's the author of the new book, Loserville, How Professional Sports Remade Atlanta and How Atlanta Remade Professional Sports. It's available now in bookstores and in a Kindle format. And you can get it through Amazon as well. Clayton, appreciate your time, brother. Can't wait to talk to you again, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a pleasure. We got to take a timeout. We'll finalize the poll question of the day, get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's coming up next right here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't forget. Opening day is tomorrow. Major League Baseball is back. Yes, Astros are going to open up their season on the road against the Los Angeles, Anaheim County, Los Angeles Credit Union, Poncena Bowl Angels. They have a ridiculous name. Just, just, why, just call yourself the California Angels. That's all they need to do. Am I the only one that feels that way about the damn Angels? Instead of trying to be Los Angeles, because you're not Los Angeles, by the way. You're in Anaheim. It's a completely different city. I've been there. I've been to their stadium. Just call yourself the damn California Angels. Be done with it. Okay? Can we just do that? 
Anyway, Astros looking to get back to the World Series. Taking on the Angels. Season opener tomorrow. You can listen to it live right here on the game. 8.38 first pitch tomorrow night. Go ahead, put it down. Mark it in your calendar. Make sure you tune in so you can listen to the Astros begin a great run here for the 2022 season. Whoop, whoop. What, what? That's at 8.38, though. Like, Yeah, <laughs> am I staying up for the entire game? No. The likelihood of that happening? Not, it's not good. Will I await for all of the, like... Just going to be honest with you. The reviews and, like, the highlights of opening day? Probably. It's going to be on YouTube somewhere. I'll look at that. Once again, 838 Astros at Angels. Poll question of the day. Final results. Every Wednesday, it's a food question of the day. Do you double dip? 55% of you say no. 45% say yes. So many gifts to get to. Steve said the double dip is second behind the Dutch oven. <laughs> oh, y'all make me laugh every single morning. God bless y'all. Don't y'all I ever mean, change. David makes sense. Is it double dipping? If you dip one side of the chip, eat it, spin the chip around to the clean side, and then dip that side. Oh, that's a lot Heck, of work. Technically, it's not, but I would literally just go and just break the chip like I do it. <laughs> At every restaurant that has chips, is I break them. And on the menu, poor guys that have the menu, they open the menu and there's just crumbs <laughs> from me breaking the chips. You're ridiculous. It's You're fine. ridiculous. Oh, man. That was a good show. We want to thank our guest, Ron Higgins, the mad dog himself from Tiger Details, talking all things LSU. Clayton Truder, published author of Loserville. That was a great conversation. Fascinating book because Atlanta did kind of give the template to everyone else throughout the South for multiple professional sports franchises. For the producer extraordinaire... And non-double dipper in public, Hannah Five Names. I'm Raymond Parsh the third. Yeah, I'm rocking the Harlem Globetrotters headband maybe all day. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.